Thank you for listening to this week's message from New Day Community Church in Vandalia. We hope this message encourages and blesses you. Look us up and contact us at newdaycommunity.org. Uh, we're going to take a month and talk about sex. It's a hot topic. Uh, today I'm talking about why the devil hates sex and God loves it. And uh, I think it's the best sermon title I've ever come up with. <laughs> so uh, hopefully the sermon will be as good um, this is kind of the foundation, and we're going to talk about a number of different things on sexuality over the course of the next four Sundays. Uh, I want to jump into this, and we will go a little over today because of the uh, anniversary celebration, but we have a cake, special cake for the anniversary as well. Um, so there's four reasons why uh, the devil hates sex and God loves it. And a lot of people think it's the opposite. The, a lot of people think God hates sex and the devil loves it. But that's not true. The truth is, the devil hates sex. God loves sex. God invented it. Okay? We're going to get into that. And I'm going to talk to you about four reasons why the devil hates sexuality, hates sex, and what he does uh, to uh, uh, manipulate it. And, and use it really for his purposes and what God intends sexuality uh, to actually produce. And the first reason that, uh, is that sex produces an intense bond. All right? It says, therefore a man shall leave his father. This is in, in, the, in the beginning of the Bible, right in Genesis 2. And, and so many of the most important truths of Scripture we can find right in the, that Genesis story. It says, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one. One. <clears throat> they were both naked, the man and his wife, and they were not ashamed. And it's right there you have two separate individuals being united somehow in some mystical way into a one, and you have nakedness without shame. All right? Um, the bond that is made in sexual union is physical, it's emotional, and it's spiritual. Right? And this is one of the things I want to emphasize throughout the whole teaching is that uh, that two becoming one is talking about a bonding, a joining together uh, that involves our physical body. I mean, it literally... You, you, you join together <laughs> you like two pieces of a puzzle, right? Uh, but something else happens because there's an emotional connection. But then, and what most people are ignorant of, especially people in the world, is that there's also a spiritual connection as well. And that's true even if the participants are strangers, okay? Um, Paul talks about this in the New Testament. He says, don't you know that he who is joined to a harlot, okay, so if someone picks up a prostitute and has sex with her, he says, uh, is one body with her. For the two, he says, shall become one flesh. So Paul is quoting the Genesis story concerning Adam and Eve and saying that applies with anyone and everyone that you have sex with even if it's a harlot. He was telling this to the people who lived in Corinth. <clears throat> now, a lot of people have this funny idea that the Bible was written in Victorian England. 
<laughs> you know, by a bunch of prudes who didn't know anything about sexuality. But the Bible was actually written, the New Testament was written in one of the most um, sexually perverse societies that has ever existed. Okay? Really. They need to do their historical research. In Corinth, they had a temple to Aphrodite, the, the sex goddess. And it was renowned throughout the ancient world. They had, at one point, 10,000 10, full-time uh, temple prostitutes. Because to go to the temple of that, in that religion, the way you practiced that religion was not having a piece of bread and having wine. You would pay money and have sex with a woman or a man or a boy. Okay? That was not only normal, not only accepted, but considered religious. Okay? That, that was the culture. And Corinth was famous for it. People would travel, wealthy people would travel from other areas of the world just to visit Corinth. All right? For that reason. And Paul says, writing to the people that lived in that city, hey guys, when you enter into sexual relationships with someone, you're actually joined with them. <gasps> you become one. <clears throat> He's warning. All sexual activity causes bonding on many levels. And the devil hates this bonding power of sexuality because the devil loves strife. He loves division. He loves to tear people apart. Okay? So the devil uses <clears throat> that same power to actually break healthy bonds by leading people to interact sexually outside of covenant relationship. So if I'm in covenant relationship with my wife, and she's not here right now, so I'm going to use Mark. Mark is in covenant relationship and marriage with, with uh, Amber. <clears throat> if he has sexual activity with someone else, that sexual activity uh, th that is going to bond him to this third person is actually going to break or damage that unique union that he has with Amber. All right? And so the devil can use that power of bonding to hurt Mark, to hurt this person, whoever that person is, and to hurt Amber. All right? And so it's a very, very powerful... I wanted to bring in a hammer. Uh, I didn't know, you know, a hammer is a tool. And with a hammer, you can build a house. Right? You can accomplish a lot of good with a hammer. But with that same hammer, you could come in here and in a matter of 20 or 30 minutes, I could ruin all the drywall in this place and cause thousands and thousands of damage. If I had enough time, I could tear down this building with that same hammer. Okay? And so the power of the tool of sexuality can be used for incredible good or it can be used for incredible harm. And, and, and when people have sex outside of covenant relationship, outside of the way it was built, designed for, it causes damage. And, and the devil hates that bonding power. And so he uses that bonding, bonding power of sexuality against people, all right? against all people. And, and the Bible actually speaks about that. And that's why it says, flee sexual immorality. Run away from it. Run away from every form of sexual immorality. Every sin that a man or woman does is outside of the body. In other words, if you steal or, you know, if you cheat or something, that's, it's all done kind of externally. 
But he who commits sexual immorality sins against his, his or her own body. And so, why is that? Because in sexuality, in, in the act of sex, we're joined. All right? Our body, soul, and spirit are merged in some way. And so it affects us internally in a way that other sins don't. <clears throat> and the Bible warns us to avoid it. Now, God loves... He loves this part of sexuality. Okay? He loves it because when sex is enjoyed in a marriage covenant, in a relationship that can handle that intense bond, okay? In fact, in a relationship that is intended to nurture intense bonding, physically, emotionally, and spiritually, God loves it because sexuality deepens that uh, relationship, that covenant relationship. In fact, sexuality within marriage, actually sexuality affects every aspect of a person. All right? Your sex life affects every other aspect of your life. All right? And every, when I counsel uh, marriages, I, I, I try to explain this to people that you know, your, your communication, how you work together, even your finances... Um, your family life, all of that is connected to your sexuality, okay? And, there, and it has a, a, an effect. And so if you're, if you're being fulfilled sexually, it, you're, it's easier to communicate. And if you're communicating well, it's easier to have a healthy sexual relationship. And both of those things affect the atmosphere in the in the house, and so it'll affect how you raise your children, you know, or it'll affect how you handle your finances because you're, you know, you're not uh, using uh, other things to kind of deaden the pain of lack in one area. And so sexuality is related. It creates a healthy sexuality in a covenant relationship, creates a benevolent cycle that makes every other aspect of your relationship better because of what? Because of the power of sex to produce intense bonding. That's the point. Point number one. It, it deepens the bond between people in covenant relationship. And, and that's, the, that's where you find joy and happiness in life. Is when you have deep, intimate bonds. And those bondings, that bonding on an emotional, uh, physical, and spiritual level go deeper. And you accomplish that through sex. <clears throat> God loves it. Uh, second reason God uh, loves sex and the devil hates it is that it produces life. All right? Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Do you realize that the very first instruction or commandment, I ask people this, I, I usually set people up and I say, what, what's the first commandment? And they, they say, What's the, you know, if you ask, what's the first commandment? Love your God with all your... That or in the Ten Commandments, have no other gods before me, right? But those aren't the first commandment. The first commandment is actually found in Genesis chapter 1, where he says, Adam and Eve have a lot of sex. Yes, sir. Yeah. Hey, you can talk to the Hebrew scholars, and they will agree. This is the first commandment that God utters. He says, be fruitful and multiply. 
Well, let me tell you, how do, you, how do humans multiply? Well, well. <laughs> so he's saying, Adam and Eve, go for it. You are naked. It's paradise. Have fun. All right. And so <clears throat> a reproduction is, is a, uh, I don't believe it's the primary purpose of sexuality, but it is certainly reproduction is the primary result. <laughs> you know, it's, it is a, a, a primary result of, of sex. And so there is a mistaken idea that the purpose of sex is reproduction. There's no basis for that. <clears throat> and I could talk a long time about why uh, uh, that's not, it is a reason, but it's not the primary reason. Um, uh, one, one part, just real quickly, is that you can only reproduce a couple of days a month. And in, in even that is a, a chance, right? And so just to, have, to get pregnant, you basically have to have sex a whole lot, uh, although there are some exceptions with some people. <laughs> Timing is everything. So in other words, the way we're designed is to have sex uh, uh, many, many, many times. And, and a few of those times, every now and then, you'll get pregnant, even if you don't use any birth control methods. And uh, um, so it's just the way we're designed. <clears throat> and the other benefits of sexuality, which is that deep bonding that I talked about, and the other ones we'll get to um, as the sermon continues. And so, um, but this is a big part of it. Sex produces life. Uh, the fact that we reproduce through sexuality is actually the ultimate expression of the life-giving nature of sex. Okay, having sex produces life. Now it produces life literally, and when we literally conceive a child through the act of sex, we are actually co-creating with God. Can you think of anything more powerful than working together with God to create a being who will live eternally? Okay. There's nothing else that comes close to that. And, and, and that in itself is amazing. Uh, but sex is life-giving even apart from procreation because sex in a healthy relationship, in a marriage covenant, covenantal relationship, it actually brings life to the marriage. Emotional life. Physical life. You actually feel better. Okay? So most drugs that are on the streets, um, like heroin and crack and all that stuff, they're all artificial ways to cause your brain to release a couple of um, neurochemicals, uh, oxycontin and serotonin and dopamine, over your brain, uh, uh, through your brain, your nerves, the nerves in your brain, right? So heroin users, those same drugs that produce the artificial release of chemicals are actually just artificially releasing the chemicals that are released through sexuality by having a healthy sexual... So, everyone that's addicted to drugs are seeking the pleasure and seeking that feeling that God designed everyone to have just by having sex. Okay? That's crazy, isn't it? It's the same exact drugs. It's the same neurotransmitters. They're just using a false way to do it. So the devil hates this aspect of sex creating life because the devil is contrary to life. 
Jesus describes the devil this way. He says, the thief does not come except to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus came so that they may have life and they may have life abundantly. So the devil uses that power of, of sex to actually steal life, to kill, and cause destruction. Listen, sex outside marriage, outside a covenant relationship, produces nearly all, I think it's about 96 or 97% of abortions are the direct result of someone having sex outside of being married. It's over a million people a year in the U.S. alone and millions and millions and millions of others throughout the world. Right there, boom. It just, it, and so the devil uses the power of sex to create life to actually create death. And that's an expression because he hates it. He hates it. And so he's figured out a way to use it against humanity. All right? Sex outside of marriage is the biggest cause of children living uh, in a single parent household. So the whole issue of single moms, single dads, uh, fatherless children, children growing up without a relationship with a, 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 a father, <clears throat> deadbeat dads, all of, those, all of those cases in most circumstances most often are the result of sex outside marriage and I, I cannot tell you how many times I've had people in my office crying because of the pains they're suffering because of uh, children born out of wedlock uh, that now they're they're just they're just brokenhearted because they can't be with their son or daughter because the mom lives in another state and so they have to share custody. Or they're brokenhearted about this aspect or that aspect. And I, and I say, that's why. That's why God says, wait till marriage. And they go, I know now. All right? Now sometimes, of course, there are examples where it's in the marriage and, and bad things happen. But the vast majority of them is when the devil leads people to have sexual encounter outside of covenant relationship. Now, God loves this aspect of marriage because God loves life. And listen, every single child that's born is loved, that's conceived, is loved. God is the giver of life. And that child is chosen by God, God uh, regardless of the circumstances of their conception. Okay, so the circumstances of a person's conception uh, affects the, 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 the woman and the man. But that child, God sees as a unique individual and doesn't hold the behavior of the parents against that child. Nevertheless, it, that child has to endure the consequences of the parents' decisions. So listen, God designed sex as a way to reproduce because he desires children to be raised by two people in a covenant relationship who are deeply united Physically, emotionally, and spiritually. You know, there's a bunch of different ways to reproduce. They just discovered, like within the last couple of weeks or months, I just read it yesterday on a thing, a frog, frogs lay eggs. Those eggs turn into tadpoles, right? Guess what? They just discovered a frog somewhere. They cut it open, and it didn't have eggs. It had live tadpoles. The scientists said it was like watching an alien movie. Really? They were like, ah! It was a dead frog that they killed to, to cut open the, 
uh, and there were live tadpoles in it. And this whole species of frogs reproduces a different way than all the other frogs. All right? Fish lay eggs, and then the male fish comes and puts a sperm over the eggs. They don't actually touch, right? <laughs> There's tons of ways to reproduce. Right? God designed humans to reproduce in a way that joins us physically as an expression of the joining of us emotionally because we're also joined spiritually because we're a unique type of being that has a spirit as well as a body. And God wants that reproduction to happen in a relationship where there's deep unity. Okay, does this make sense? So we reproduce that way on, by design in that context. <clears throat> uh, <clears throat> and, and so uh, that life-giving aspect of, of sexuality is one of the reasons that God loves sex because it reproduces life. It reproduces uh, uh, people, but it also reproduces and it rejuvenates every aspect of yourself, physically, emotionally, you can find a rejuvenation within yourself if you're experiencing sex in the way that God desires. Third reason, sex is sacred. All right? And uh, we read that marriage is honorable among all and the bed undefiled. But fornicators and adulterers, God will judge. In another translation, he puts it this way. Honor marriage and guard the sacredness of sexual intimacy between wife and husband. God draws a firm line against casual and illicit, illicit sex. And so from this and the rest of Scripture, we see that God's view of sexuality, when it talks about the marriage bed, okay, it's talking about having sex with your spouse. All right, um, and he says it's it's pure. It's not defiled. It's sacred. This is why uh, it says in another place, run from sexual sin. No other sin so clearly affects the body as this one. For sexual immorality, this is a ne negative example of the same truth. Sexual immorality is a sin against your own body. Don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? This is again Paul explaining to this concept and talking. It's interesting. Paul talks the most to the Corinthian church about sexuality because they lived in one of the most sexually perverse cities on the planet at that time. Right? Guess what? We're living in a society that's very similar to that Roman city. Okay? He's saying, don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? So the Holy Spirit lives in you and was given to you by God. You do not belong to yourself. For God bought you with a high price, so you must honor God with your body. So he's, he's explaining that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit in the context. He's not explaining that in the context of a worship service where you're singing and lifting up your hands. He's not explaining that in the context of when you kneel down and pray. He's explaining that in the context of when you have sex. All right? That's crazy. All right? That means sex is sacred. He's saying, listen, your body is a temple. 
It's a temple not only when you're at church. It's a temple when you're in bed. Okay? And it's at that time that you need to recognize that. That makes sex very sacred. All right? Sex involves our whole being, that physical, the emotional, the spirit. If we're having, uh, if we're temples of the Holy Spirit, then sex within marriage becomes a powerful, pure, and sacred act. All right? Uh, I think it's interesting that, uh, well, I, I get to it in a minute. The devil hates this very aspect of it, probably most of all. because he rejected that which was sacred and he was cast out of God's presence. What you have living in you, he is forbidden to have. And so this aspect of it is is one of the reasons the enemy uses sexuality uh, to to twist people. And he uses the power of sexuality, the, the power of it, and the connection of sexuality and sacredness or, 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 or spirituality to actually deceive them and, and use the sexuality to draw them into empty um, sensuality. Okay? So in other words, just experiencing sex for the physical pleasure of it. Or idolatry. Okay? Which is making sexual fulfillment... Uh, more important to you than honoring God. It becomes a God to you. So if someone's addicted to pornography, for example, that pornography is an idol. They bow down to it by fulfilling its will rather than God's will. If someone is uh, addicted to um, uh, uh, having sex uh, illicitly, so whether it be with prostitutes or with mistresses or with uh, anyone outside of covenant relationship through marriage, then that's an idol. You are bowing down to it. Right? The funny thing is, <clears throat> um, uh, uh, Rob Bell, remember Rob Bell? You all know who Rob Bell is? Are you kidding me? No one here knows who Rob Bell is? Two people, three, four people know who Rob Bell is. Praise God. <laughs> so he's from Cal- he's not from Cal- he's from Grand Rapids. <clears throat> He, and, he, and he wrote a book, Love Wins, uh, and he became super popular. He's a, he's a Christian rock star. He's now on TV working with Oprah. Okay. Uh, <clears throat> so I've actually met him, one of the most brilliant people I've ever met. But he kind of got derailed, and, he, and he, uh, I think his popularity got the best of him. End of the story is not yet, so we'll see what happens. He's still just a kid. Uh, <clears throat> he's only 40. <laughs> but he said... Bear with me. I know I'm going long, but bear with me. He said in an interview just recently, I think it was earlier this year, because he not only suggests that hell possibly may not be real, strongly suggests that, he came out and flatly said, Christians need to get over homosexual marriage. It's, it's, it's a non-issue. And he said, when Paul talks about it, he's talking about it in the context of idolatry and demons being involved, and it, he says it's just this twisted ball of, of gobbledygook, and it's just, you know, you just can't, you can't understand it because it's, Paul's writing is intertwined with, um, with idolatry, the practice of idolatry and demon worship. I'm like, I was looking at the TV and I said, Rob, the demons didn't disappear. 
the idolatry didn't go away. Human race hasn't changed. Okay? There is still the worship of Diana through illicit sexuality. And there still are all the demons that were active using those people and deceiving those people with sexuality, uh, leading them to idolatry uh, uh, 2,000 years ago, still are alive and active, leading people through idolatry into illicit sexuality so that they can not experience the sacredness of sex the way God designed it. They just don't parade it. They don't have a building saying we are the sex gods. Okay, we worship sex. They sell it or they put it on the Internet. Does that make sense? I can't believe someone so brilliant as Rob Bell didn't get that. You know, but he's he's trying. And, you know, who who knows why? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, And what I'm saying is the demons are still active. The idolatry is still active and it's still being practiced in the same way. It's just that we don't go to a temple and call it Aphrodite. We call it pornography, or we call it, uh, you know, whatever you want to call it. G.K. Chesterton, this is not a quote because I couldn't find the book. He's a philosopher, very powerful uh, philosopher that wrote on, on Christianity. He wrote a book about 100 years ago. And he said, all religions, apart from Christianity or apart from those that are, are truly seeking after Jehovah, Yahweh, devolve into sexual idolatry because sexual, sexuality is the only experience that gives mankind a transcendence that people are seeking through religion. And it's absolutely true. If you study uh, Hindu, Hinduism, go and look at, the, at, the, at the, uh, the Hindu buildings. The complete buildings are covered with diagrams depicting sex acts of every imaginable form, okay? (laughs) Um, uh, Same with most Roman sculptures, okay? When the British discovered a lot of Roman cities during the the, uh, expansion of the British Empire and they were going out sending like the Indiana Jones guys (coughs) to find things, what they would have to do is walk through the cities. Pardon if there's children if you're here. You all knew I was talking about sex. Uh, you can study this. They had to knock off from all of the statues the male genitalia because it was prominent. Is that explicit enough? Every form and even cultish Christian churches end up devolving. What about that guy? Just was it two years ago out west, leading that cult, Mormon cult, was a Mormon cult, (laughs) and in the inner sanctuary was a big bed that he would have sex with little girls. All right, is this crazy or what? Why? Because it. It's just, it's part of sexuality. Sexuality and sanctity, or the sacredness of sexuality is a powerful draw. Um, God loves this because when sexuality is practiced within that covenant relationship, it's pure. It enables the people to experience the sacred. Two bodies becoming one as temples of the Holy Spirit. We actually taste 
a little reflection of what God experiences in the Trinity, where there are three combined in one. In fact, I see when a husband and a wife join together in the act of sex, which is the means by which we procreate or create new life, so you have husband, wife, and Holy Spirit in unity that produces life. Wow! Is there any other experience that so reflects the creative nature and the unity of God? And that's why sex is so powerful and why God loves it. The last one, I'm going to finish with this, is that sex is transcendent. What I really wanted to say is sex is irrational. But the idea of the irrational aspect of it is that it's transcendent. It says God, I'll define transcendent in a minute. God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Listen to this. God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Is that singular or plural? Singular. Male and female, he created them. Is that singular or plural? Right. And so, this is one event. So, pre-fall, before Adam and Eve sinned, mankind was male-female. Eve didn't have a distinct name until after sin and after they were ripped apart because of the sin. God saw man as male-female, one. All right? So the two one. God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply. In the New Testament... Same thing is referred to. A man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife. And they are united into the one. So it's actually participating in to the type of relationship and union that we had at the moment of creation. And Paul says, this is a mystery. This is transcendent. This goes beyond rational understanding. And it's a picture of Christ in the church. Uh, another scripture touches on this. says, each man should have his own wife and each woman should have her own husband. The husband should fulfill his wife's sexual needs and the wife should fulfill her husband's needs. This happens to be my favorite verse in the Bible. <laughs> this is the verse I've heard the fewest number of sermons on. Because the Bible says, the wife gives authority over her body to her husband and the husband gives authority over his body to his wife. Bring that up to anybody that has a, has a, is uptight about men being uh, over-dominant. Or that women always have to submit to men. Really? The Bible says here, man, you have to give your physical body, the authority of your body is given to your wife. But see, this is only works if the authority of her body is given to you. In other words, you yield authority of your body what body? This body. Okay. What's he talking about here? He's talking about your body. Okay. This is not, this is, this is spiritual. Okay. This is as, as spiritual as it gets. All right. When my physical body, I give the authority of it. In other words, honey, you can do whatever you want with my body. That's scary. Okay, so that's transcendent. And now that can be abused, and it is abused. And the devil uses that aspect of it to abuse people. But the intention of it is not abuse. 
Right. Uh, uh, <clears throat> the response to abuse is not disuse, but proper use. Okay? So, yes, the devil abuses that. But it's, he abuses it because it's so powerful. Transcendence means it's beyond the range of normal mere physical human experience. It surpasses the ordinary, exceptional. It's not subject to the limits of the material universe. Listen, this is not something that you're to do with just anyone. Okay? And it, and it goes beyond normal. When you submit your body to someone else, that's, that's irrational. That's transcendent. That means you are getting outside of yourself. All right? And there's no more powerful way to do that than in sexual relationship. When it's done in this context. Sex is irrational. It's not rational to give your body to someone else. Wow, what that requires is an incredible amount of trust and vulnerability. It's not rational to say that the two become one. And that's not just the physical act of touching each other, it's, it's actually God and some mystery. The Bible calls it a mystery. You become one. That's transcendent. That means you experience something that goes beyond normal experience. Okay? It's this irrational, transcendent aspect of sexuality that makes it so powerful. Okay? It's experiential. It's physical. It's emotional. It's even spiritual, whether you recognize it or not. Sometimes it's awkward. Come on. Sometimes it's silly. I think it's completely silly. It's just weird. I think it's weird. It's weird. <clears throat> but you know what? I like it. <laughs> it's really good. Sometimes it's overwhelmingly meaningful. And deeply moving. It's transcendent. It's just this weird experience where, you know, where you're just joined emotionally, so powerfully. And all of those reasons uh, is because God designed it that way. Now, the devil hates this aspect of transcendency of sex because it breaks down his strategy. This is a really important part, and I know it's going late, but I hope you, I hope you listen to this. Because the devil uses that... Um, uh, he hates it because it breaks down his strategy to keep us entangled in our self-centered delusional universe. Okay? He hates sex's ability to unravel our logical, rational, safe, self-reliant little world. Okay? And sex makes us embrace the fact that we're physical. Okay? That we have senses you know, and the reality of our need for intimate touch. Do you know that just if, 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 if there's trust, and I trust Pat, so just me holding his hand, serotonin and dopamine is released in my body. Like right now, I can feel it. You know the warm feeling when you touch, when you embrace someone that you care about? That's an actual trigger. It triggers a physical response. Well, that... I don't, you're not, you're not very cute, you know, I'm sure your wife thinks you're cute. <laughs> but that is magnified, you know, a thousand times when you're with someone that you love, that you're in a covenant relationship, and you're not just giving them a handshake, 
but you're in full embrace. Okay? Wow! And that just rips apart your ability to hide behind mental barriers. Okay? <clears throat> sex shatters selfishness. Real sex. But the devil deceives people in the, in, in the, in the practicing and, and thinking of sexuality as disconnected, imaginary, and cut off from our spirit and our emotion. He compartmentalizes it even if we're with another person. And this is where pornography is so destructive because you can look at the sect, the act, and, it's, and it's, it's cut off from reality. You don't smell them. You know, you don't, you, you can, yeah, it's so destructive. Uh, and he deceives people <clears throat> by making sex self-centered when God designed it to be other-centered. Okay, um, almost done here. The detachment enables people to do things sexually that leads them to their own harm and the harm of others. They believe they are choosing the sexual expression, but in reality, it's a distorted symptom of a detached, self-centered, destructive sexuality twisted by a multitude of factors. And it's a multitude of factors. There's so many... I know I'm going on. I hope you listen up. But <clears throat> there was a, I wanted to tell this story at the beginning. I forgot. A few years ago, a young man came to my office. He'd been attending our church for a while. He grew up in a youth group because he always talked about it. So I thought he'd gone to church his whole life. He actually had. And he got a girlfriend, and they make an appointment. And they're sitting in my office, and they want to get married. I'm like, that's great. <clears throat> when you're thinking, and they had a date. And they said, and I, in the conversation, I found out they're already living together. I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa wait a minute. You're living together? They were like, yeah, we're so excited. We moved in. It was so fun. I'm like, you know, that's really contrary to the God's, God's way. You're, if you're living together, you've already violated the, the marriage covenant. And I started explaining. I said, you should know that. You grew up in church. Well, I challenged them to change their way and, and to, you know, make a commitment to, you know, have him move out, stay with somebody Stay sacred. They repented from one another. They're going to do right. Uh, and then they're going to get married. And everything's going to be good. <clears throat> but they walked out of my office. And my ability to influence their thinking evaporated like that. And I didn't see them again for quite a long time. Because they ended up living together. Um, <clears throat> later I found out that um, the youth group that he went to was led by his mom and her lesbian partner. Okay, in a church that was openly um, homosexual friendly. And so he grew up without any understanding of what was right and wrong and proper in relationship. And this young kid was actually trying to do well. And in my ignorance, assuming he knew better, I came down on him hard. And it messed, and it, and it messed him up. He, he, they couldn't deal with it, and so they just left. Um, and, it, and it ended up tragic in the end. Uh, uh, so it all didn't work out. But what I realized is that people today, you know, maybe you grew up and your mom and dad were married. But you know what? That's, that's almost rare nowadays. And so we live in a culture that there's so many different factors that affects people's sexuality. What we need to do as Christians... <coughs> is 
to start sharing, hey, these, this, is the benef- this is what God envisions. This transcendency, this unity, this life-giving power uh, of sexuality. And that <clears throat> when we communicate that, not coming against them because they're doing wrong necessarily, but be, one, getting it right in our lives and representing uh, how we can express sexuality in a way that uh, accomplishes what God created it to accomplish. All right, if you have questions, feel free to come and talk to me. 